Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. Uh, today is a cold, chilly morning. I thought I would see snow on the ground this morning, Micah, in Ohio, here in the Columbus area. You got snow over there in the uh, southwest Ohio? No. We, however, we have we had frost this morning, so when my wife was getting ready for work, I went out and started her car because there was frost on it. Oh, I don't think we had frost in our car. I haven't checked because, again, I was when I get up, I was trying to get my kid out the door to go to school, so didn't really get to check anything. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know what's going on. The last couple of weeks, we've had like a couple of really really nice days, like towards the end of the week, and then like a rain front comes in, and then it just kills it. It's just like, yeah. hey, we have spring. Just kidding, we're going back to winter. But next week's May. And I looked at the 10-day forecast, and I think next Tuesday I was telling my wife that, like, Tuesday is supposed to be a high of, like, 46 and windy. And I'm like, it's going to be May, Justin Timberlake. It's going to be May. It's going to be May. (laughs) And that's the thing. Like, I I have, like, my garden beds all ready to go, and I'm supposed to be planting seeds for, you know, for vegetables and the stuff we're growing. And it's like everything says, okay, plant them in May. And I'm thinking – you know, when when the weather's nice in April, it's very tempting, very tempting to say, okay, I think I can plant these now. It's going to be warm. And then it's like, oh, no, 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 no. It's going to be like in the 30s in a few days. So, nope, we're going to hold off on planting anything. But, yeah, it's just it's just weird. It's just a weird uh, spring season. Um We've had a ton of rain. We've had a ton of rain, and we've had a ton of um, like windy weather, like yeah, typically that you would see in the Midwest, like uh, or I'm sorry, like the the mid the north mid part of the United mm-hmm. States, Minnesota, the Dakotas, things like that, like where it's super windy. Um, yeah, it's just been strange, and I'm like, I, I have this fear, not that I care about hot weather, but like I feel like we're just gonna flip a switch one day, and it's gonna just gonna be super hot, and it's just gonna be there's gonna be no. No rain, no (laughs) wind, just hot. It's going to be a hot summer once it finally gets there. Goodness, yeah. Although we had a beautiful fall last year. We did. We did. Um, It was extended and and it was, you know, we had more uh, nice days than we had cold days. And it was just really, really nice. Uh, We don't get like a long fall in Ohio. We usually get summer and we just jump right to winter. So Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think when I moved here, around that time like i just kept the windows open the whole time it was nice i don't think i teared down the air conditioning once because mm. i came in like right at the beginning of fall like towards the end of august so it's been pretty good i had All to right. take the heat on last night yeah so stories gone wild micah do you have a story for us yeah i was thinking about this last night though i think we need to change the 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 story's gone wild to something else like just, <laughs> just just the top like the title of it because like i don't think that it's always a story that has gone wild or uh a story that's um crazy um, i feel like most of those stories now are just like stories that are normal but they just seem weird they have a plot twist at the end <laughs> stories with a plot twist stories with a plot twist there you go <laughs> um so yeah yeah i have a story um yesterday my wife and i were visiting a church and um won't name the church had a great service great message about doubting thomas and it was really good um 
but yeah, the the um, church that we were visiting was a I like how he's going to keep me keep rolling. I'm I messed that whole thing up. Oh, <laughs> I was wondering, like, why did you stop? Well, I wasn't it, sure what you were going to say, or if you were going to go like a a uh, a wall or something and flip no, the green no, screen I'm behind just, you. No, I was yeah. So for those who are listening, my son is has been notorious the last few weeks of not getting up to get to school. So. He's, it, today's one of those days where I had to wrestle him out of bed to get him dressed to get him to school. And now he's supposed to self-start himself to get to school. So I'm just like, he needs to go to school. Or pretty quickly, you're going to see me get out of this chair and start running down after him. So so, so Mark for edit. Mark um, for edit. So yesterday, Stories Come Wild, stories with a plot twist. Yesterday, my wife and I were visiting this church. And um, it was in the middle of uh, worship, but like we were just talking about the weather Scott and like both of our nose noses have been running. We have like some scratchy throat stuff. Like it's just allergy season. Right. And so uh, middle of the service, like my nose is running. I had to find a tissue. So I, I go out of the sanctuary into the bathroom and I find uh, a tissue to blow my nose and I walk back into the sanctuary. And before you go into the sanctuary in the hallway, right outside the sanctuary, there's these um, hand sanitizer dispensers, Right. Like ever since COVID, there's hand sanitizer everywhere, right? And so I go coming out of the bathroom, you know, blowing my nose. I'm just going to, you know, get some sanitizer and sanitize my hands. So I put my hand out and the sand, uh, the hand sanitizer, um, you know, disposes in my, in my hand. And I start, you know, rubbing my hands together. And I'm like, it's got a weird consistency. And I'm like, man, that looks like soap. That looks like hand soap. Like when you rub your hands together and it gets all sudsy and I'm like, I smell and I'm like, sure enough, Scott, I'm convinced that it was hand soap. So I go back into the bathroom, I'm rinsing my hands off and I, you know, I, I dry my hands and I get back into the sanctuary and I was like, what took you so long? And I'm like, I think the sanitizer things outside the sanctuary have hand soap in them. And so <laughs> sure enough, I smelled my hands and she smelled my hands. She's like, yep, that's soap. And so we're convinced what? that um, folks, the school. I'm convinced that folks or whoever's in charge of the hand sanitizer put hand soap in the hand sanitizer. <laughs> I mean, my hands smell good and they were clean, but when you rub your hands together with sanitizer, it's just rubbing alcohol basically, and it just kind of dissipates yeah. as you. And I'm like, my hands got all sudsy, and I'm like, this is what? Why? Of all the strange things that happen in churches, <laughs> somebody put hand soap in a hand sanitizer dispenser. Oh gosh! I was and like, I mean, I wonder why this was taking so long to come out of the machine. <laughs> well, I was. I guess that's the other thing too, because I mean, they're mostly like if you think about the hand soap dispensers and the hand sanitizer dispensers, they probably use the same size bags. They usually seem like they're the same dispensers. So mm-hmm. I could see unless someone unless it unless on the label it says hand soap or hand sanitizer. But if it's if those bags aren't labeled, I could see how someone might get confused, especially if it's like the clear stuff. Like if it's like that milky, like pink stuff that it's like, okay, yeah, I know this is soap because you can tell by the complexion. But if it's like clear, 
I don't know if you're able to tell unless you like really shake it and go, oh yeah, this is fan sanitizer, the soap, because you can just see the consistency. But yeah, that's <laughs> or they just ran out of hand sanitizer and goes, Well, let's just no one really uses these anymore. Let's just put hand soap in this one. <laughs> see. One of the churches I used to work at had um one of the pastors, I don't know if it was the son-in-law or uh I think it was their son-in-law. Um, he was a chiropractor and they believe they, they made their own hand sanitizer and this hand sanitizer stunk. Like it, like you couldn't get the smell off your hands. There was like pine tree oil or something crazy in it. And it was awful. It's like, you had to like watch during the COVID days, which sanitizer. You were well, and that was the thing when, 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 yeah. Cause I mean, yeah. Cause when the pandemic hit, you know, the people who did make hand sanitizer were overrun like the Purell and, so then that I think from what I've heard, like a bunch of local breweries were making it, you know, based on their, you know, were making beer and they were also making hand sanitizer too. So that's why some of it kind of smelled weird, like hops and stuff or plants because it just smelled so nasty because you had a bunch of these companies who were just, you know, trying to make as much as they get. So we didn't, so we all had hand sanitizer to use. Friends of ours found this hand sanitizer, uh, one of the other churches I worked at, um, and it was like 70 or 80% alcohol, ethanol alcohol, and it smelled like tequila or vodka or something, some sort of alcoholic beverage when yeah. um you smelled it just out of the out of the bottle. But yeah, uh hand sanitizer and plexiglass made a killing during COVID. Oh yeah. It, it's funny now when I walk into places, even though, you know, I mean, yeah, COVID's still around, but like you know, there's been a couple of times where I've been in big places or big crowds and I haven't gotten sick or been diagnosed with COVID as of yet. But like a mosh like the mosh pit. Yeah. Like being in a mosh pit in a in Columbus at a metal concert and you don't get sick. So hey, good times. But the thing that I thought was so fascinating was that even now there's still places that still have plexiglass mm-hmm. over it's almost like, well, we're not gonna take this down, so we're just gonna leave it up. <laughs> So I'm like, all right. The first yeah. day, the first day that the university that I work at said you don't have to wear masks and you don't have to do the uh, the plexiglass anymore, I took that sucker off my desk. I had a big plexiglass thing in front of my desk, and some people still have it, not because they don't, you know, want to take it down, but because it's just a pain in the butt to get off, and they would have to put like a work order in and have somebody come and take it down. And a lot of that stuff early on was rigged. Right. Like let's take a couple two by fours and nail them together uh, and put a piece of plexiglass in between them and then like put it on the perimeter of your desk. <laughs> and, you know, you're going to have a have to get a tetanus shot or something if you take it down yourself. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you <laughs> yeah, have a, so, do you have a better story than hand soap that was hands? Uh, yeah. So um, hand maybe maybe so. Last Sunday at youth, one of the kids was like, hey would it be okay if we could like do like, like film a movie at the church, like write a script and film a movie, just something fun for us youth to do. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's fine. Can it be a horror movie? I'm like, I don't care. Like, like whatever movie that everyone wants to do, I'm fine with making it, you know, as long as it's with it within reason. So, okay. They make this. So this kid during his, um, during his testing, because they had state testing uh, this past week, in two days he wrote this movie script, and it's based off this uh, youth game we played called Grog, which is like freeze tag, 
but then you have to like find a flashlight. You have to assemble all three parts of the flashlight together. And then you shine the light on the person who's the grog. And that's how the game ends. So the game ends whether the grog taps everybody or you assemble the flashlight. So it's like, okay, cool. So it does this movie and it's basically an out. It's basically supposed to be set up like during like youth time that we have. And we're going to be playing the game grog. Well, apparently, I start having like this like weird reaction to the lights, and then I go on a killing spree and start killing my students with a knife, and that's the movie. And I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> it's actually funny because one of the kids was reading it to their parents, and their parents was like, uh, "Is Pastor Scott okay with this?" <laughs> But I'm, I'm like, okay, but then I'm reading, but so like, so we're, we're talking about this because they're like, oh, are we filming today? I'm like, no, because A, we don't even know if we have the people to even do this thing. You have like 13 people in this skit. <laughs> like, so I don't know if we can have everyone commit because we have a lot of kids who are in sports and extracurricular activities. And sometimes it's hard to get them to come to an event. So Needless to say, we're reading through the script, and this script is as about as cheesy as a can of of cheese, man. And it's like <laughs> it's like the leading tower of cheese. <laughs> but then even the, the dialogue, thing. there's this, but there's a dialogue. Like I have to keep asking questions because I'm reading through this. I'm like, wait a minute. How does this kid know how to lockpick? Like, how's he getting in? It's like, oh, yeah, he does this. I'm like, well, we need to establish that this kid knows how to lockpick. And then I read, and, like, my character kills this kid off. Like, he's the third death. But then he's also death number seven and death number nine because he doesn't die. He just keeps coming back to life. I'm like, and it's like you're like one of the things where you're finally going to get, like, the batteries to put in the flashlight to kill my character. The, the kid who died once is lockpicking the security room. And while the other kid who's supposed to be with him, the help of ghost, oh, hey, I know there's a crazed killer on the loose, but it's okay if I go to the kitchen and make hot chocolate. <laughs> Pretty creative, these people. I know. It's like, but this, is the, but this is the same kid who's like writing a movie script of James Gunn on a DC character to get a movie made. I sure hope they're this uh, motivated for their schoolwork. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Like some people, like they're really gifted in certain areas, and they won't do their schoolwork. Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So yeah, that was that was my story. <laughs> Wild. I don't know if we're going to be able to film this thing or not, but we we will see. Like the consensus was, is let's just have a day, like kind of like a six p.m. to midnight. And we just spend a day just filming this thing. I'm like, if you can get the people to commit and get them all together, like to film this thing, then I'm all for it. But you guys, but since it's your project, you got to try to get everyone to band together to do this thing. Cause I'm not going to, I have to, but I'm too busy to just send out emails to all my students. Hey, by the way, we're going to do this. Who wants to do it? You know? So, yep. So, uh, back, uh, it's been a couple months, but episode 169, you and I had a discussion on the Asbury revival 
And I guess for those of you who don't know what the Asbury Revival is, at the beginning of this year, uh, Asbury University, you missed it. Asbury University um, was just having this worship service, and um, it ended up becoming a full blown revival. Like they ended up having it for, I don't know how many days it was, like at least a couple weeks. It was just a nonstop worship service. Kids were just feeling convicted and were giving their lives to Christ. The Holy Spirit was pouring out. Uh, and then even people from all over the world were driving in to be a part of this service from just uh, missionaries to church people that Mike and I know to even like your big name worship leaders like Carrie Job was there and and probably and then I think even Kenneth Copeland tried to get there, but they said, do not come. You're not allowed to hear Kenneth Copeland. We don't trust you. <laughs> so, but yeah, there's so. I was many, I was going to say some other names that we talked about in other podcasts, but yeah, I'll just our frame. Yeah, but so there's this. So there is that, and kind of that conversation, Mike, as we were talking about, we really asked a couple of questions, like a, what is a revival, mm-hmm. and b, the other thing is how many copycats are we going to see this year? Because you had this spontaneous. Uh, revival happen and how many people are going to try to jump on the uh, jump on the coattails of this revival and say hey we're doing a revival we're having a revival here so so come on down to this flea market because we're having revival in a tent at this abandoned parking lot. Like how many copycats are going to have it? That's kind of where we left off back on episode 169. Well now here we are, and already within our circles, we are starting to see people advertise things that were considered a convention or a camp meeting, and now they've changed those names to please come to our summer revival. Come to, we're having our revival, and we need help because we're going to pitch a gigantic tent on a piece of land because we're expecting hundreds, hundreds of people to show up to this revival. Can I ask a question? Sure. And this is with all seriousness. We talked about this a little bit before we press record on this episode, but like the idea of a worship service, a gathering a corporate gathering of worship kind of taking fire and spontaneously just going in another direction that's then that's planned. Um, and I think you said the words Scott before we recorded, but like, I don't think Asbury intended for that to happen when they oh, went no. into that service that day, that chapel service was just like, all right, we're going to have chapel like normal. We're going to have worship and teaching. And guess what? The Holy spirit showed up. Yeah. My question is, how do these other groups, situations, churches, conferences, conventions think that they're going to capture the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit does whatever it wants to do? And, you know, that's concerning because you can't force that, right? Like, it's like catching lightning in a bottle. And I think yeah. in, in my own experience especially in the worship leading world, you can bring your worship to God and you can 
uh, have great worship services, but not every service is going to be super spontaneous and super uh, erratic and super, you know, oh, it's not on the bulletin, so we're going to do it. Like, and and I've seen churches that like try to do that with like more Pentecostal, uh, more Pentecostal approach to worship, mm-hmm. and it, it gets to be a bit much. And so, it, it it's concerning to me when when churches think that they're just gonna replicate something when they they really can't. Right? I mean, can is that is that fair to say you can't replicate something? You can invite the Holy Spirit's presence into a place. The Holy Spirit can show up in a mighty way. But like six months prior, we're going to have this situation and this kind of a service and this kind of gathering. And the Holy Spirit's going to show up and we're going to call it a revival. Yeah. And, and I, I, am I am I speaking like out of turn when I ask that question? or No, I, I don't think so at all. Because here's here's my concern. And it's the biggest. I mean, I know I, I've mentioned this in when we talked about the Asbury revival in episode 169, like um, I talked about the awakenings and how Mm -hmm. you had the great awakening, Jonathan Edwards and how everything was spontaneous. Um, Then when you start getting into your other awakenings, everything started to become corporate. Like, okay, if we do voice inflections, if we plan this type of service, then we're going to see revival happen. So I, I guess in from a historical point of view, from a church history point of view, is revival spontaneous? Yes. Can revival be planned out? I guess from history, yes, it can be planned out. But I think one of the things I would question is which is going to, how do you test the authenticity of it? Because at the Asbury yeah. Revival, it's just, it's a normal service, normal worship service, nothing special. I mean, even when they, I saw video of the per, of the per, of the campus pastor, whoever was preaching, that kind of kickstarted that revival. You listen to the message, it's, it's a, it's a good message, but it's not like what we would think, like, man, this is like top notch, like, I can see how a revival happened, because that message was like, absolute fire like it was a normal message but yet the holy spirit in its normality was able to not only show up in a mighty way but was really to transform people's lives and i think when we think about revival it's about transformation it's about people being saved people coming to jesus and you know, in in regards to Asbury, even though that was a Christian college, a Christian university, yet there are people giving their lives to Christ. There's people who may have been going to church regularly, but they may have struggled with certain sins in their lives. And now they were being made healed in, in Jesus's name and through the power of the Holy Spirit. So when those opportunities happen, that's great. And I'm excited about that. But when you get to a point where if we have a certain type of music playing and we have a certain type of minister that is preaching that knows how to preach in such a way to to get a emotional response from the crowd you know they know how to work the crowd and if you can do that and that can get people to 
come down to the altar to ask for change. Is it still authentic that people are coming down? Yeah, I, I would say so. Is it something that is spirit driven? That's where the question mark in my mind is going to come up because you have something that you could easily, you can't, you can't explain when the Holy Spirit comes. It just shows up. You see things happening and you're like, wow. When people go, how did you do this? It's like, we don't know. We were just doing what we always do. And the spirit just happened to show up and it just became this great big movement of, of God's blessing and God's um, healing and, and God's mercy and forgiveness just kind of poured out of this. Mm-hmm. Whereas if that's my intentional goal and I'm going to craft something to make that sort of thing happen and I'm successful in doing that, was it led by God or was it led by the careful planning of man that allowed this revival to happen? I'm I'm a big fan of like we need to get out of the way. Yeah. Just meaning that like, if, if people are coming to the altars and repenting and the, the spirit of the Lord is evident and we see, um, that transformation that you're talking about happen. Um, that stuff just happens and you don't, you can have service every single week. And you can invite people into God's presence and you can invite the Holy Spirit into the space and you can uh, preach a sermon and at the end of a sermon, give an invitation for people to come accept Jesus. And week after week after week, it may never happen. However, when those things that you're talking about, Scott, happen, they're that much more powerful because they're out of our control and it's out of our hands. And it's the supernatural that people talk about, right? Like the people, the, the supernatural healing, miraculous power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit through him. We can't control that. And, and I keep saying control a lot in this episode. But like, I've been in services where, you know, it's the same old song and dance, you know, for a service. And we get to this point where something's not planned where somebody stands up and says, you know what? Nobody knows this, but I'm struggling with insert whatever, right? I'm struggling with drug addiction. I need to be, I need to be delivered of that. And then the people of God gather around that person and they give their life to, to the Lord. And yes, that's the first action step. Then they need to get to work, right? But like the whole idea of forcing Revival, forcing uh, the spirit of God to move. It, it almost looks showy to me, and I don't like that. It makes me like it, it, it's cringe. Like we use the word cringe a lot, but it's very cringy to me. Um, some of the most, and and th- that's like in the public setting, right? Some of the most sweetest and intimate times that I've had with the Holy Spirit have been sitting in this room when I'm sitting here, you know, singing and playing my guitar, I'm getting emotional thinking about it, but like playing uh, songs and worshiping the God that I love because 
I know that he loves me. And I have that encounter with him. Uh, and, and, and some of the, the bigger worship leaders that I, that I enjoy and follow, they say, you know, get on your face in your prayer closet. And there's no better space than to get in your, you know, get on your hands and knees and worship him in your prayer closet. And so, you know, the idea of like, I've never understood the idea. I mean, this sounds kind of counterintuitive, but like, I never understood the idea of like, oh, we're having this revival before, before the Asbury thing. Right. But like, let's have this six service week, you know, this week of six services or seven services or whatever. And we're going to have a guest speaker and we're going to have special worship every night and we're going to have special music and this, that, and the other. And it's like, that's great, but it just feels like you're going to church seven times in a row. Like, and we talk about this generational thing with you and I, where it's like our generation feels forgotten in the middle of all this because the generation before us has struggled to give it to us. And then the generation after us are hungry. Where do we get left in that, that equation? Um, I would argue that it, it was because it felt like it was forced. Hmm. And I was sitting in, in church yesterday, the one I was you know visiting and the hand sanitizer was, was soap. I'm, I'm still on that. That's just, <laughs> that's kind of, I'm, I'm, you know, that's bizarre. Um, and I was thinking about this, this idea of, I think, I feel like the Holy spirit was giving me this in, in that moment. Um, but like I was sitting in a Presbyterian church yesterday, but we get caught up on the name Presbyterian church or Methodist church or Baptist church or Episcopalian church or Nazarene church or church of God or church of Christ. You name the church, but I feel like the Holy spirit was telling me in, in that moment that, that when Jesus ministered to the people, he said, be the church. There was no Presbyterian church mm-hmm. or no Nazarene church or no Episcopalian church in the New Testament gospel. It was just be the church and be my sheep. Follow me unto the ends of the earth and make disciples. And I think we get so caught up on that. We get so caught up on catching lightning in a bottle or being the next biggest thing or releasing the next biggest worship tune or getting, you know, when 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 at the end of the day, Jesus is coming back for us. And that's all that matters. Like mm-hmm. our souls are all that matter to him. Our love and our devotion to Jesus Christ is all that matters to him. And so we get caught up on the idea of like, oh, we have this light show where we have this fancy worship or we're releasing this worship album or, or we have this guy speaking or we have, you know, 6,000 people coming to this, this convention. And it's like, but are you leading people to Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I'm, and, I went on a long rant there. I'm sorry. No, but like no, I just, no, 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 no. It's all, yeah. it's all good. But yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I, I can go back to my days at camp when I would be playing music or I'd be part playing bass on the worship And some of those team. times were really, really special. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so there's times of worship where everyone's there, everybody was having it. And I mean, I wouldn't say that there was a week or a day where I'd say, it was just the, you know, it was just, yep, it was the worst thing ever. Like, um, I would say, yeah, that's the worst. That was the worst thing ever. Like, you know, like nothing happened. Like it was, it was, it's atrocious. You know, I felt like something always happened. And, and something that um one of my professors, um, Terry Wardle used to say, he wrote this book called Untamed Christian, Unleashed Church. And he talks about, you know, the different movements of the Holy Spirit and different views. And he, he, his whole view of the Holy Spirit is, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit can come like a gentle rain. 
and other times it can come like a hurricane. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a, so for him, it's like, you know, and I kind of how I interpret that is, you know, there'll be times where if I'm playing and we're just because when we set up the stage and when we pick our song list for what we're playing at worship and when the pastor's doing their thing, like ultimately we're not sitting there in a planning meeting going, OK, we're going to do this. Pastor's preaching on this. We're going to go and we're going to play this song because that's going to help. You know, that's going to really drive people to push, push the students over the limit so that they're coming down to the altar and they're praying. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it was mostly a lot of time. There was no collaboration. It's like, here's our theme. I don't know what the pastor's preaching on. We already have our set list and kind of like our key songs that we're going to play throughout the whole summer. And we're just going to play these like 20 songs and we're just going to mix them in and out depending on you know, how we feel, you know, how we kind of feel about the service. Or if we're listening to the pastor preach and then all of a sudden like Ryan, who's leading worship comes up to me and goes, Hey, instead of playing this song, we're going to play this song. Okay. And we did it. And I could tell that there were some times where we play and the spirit would show up like those, like, like a gentle rain. And then there'd be times where we'd be playing and it's like, there's nobody inside the sanctuary. Everybody is either at the stage. Everybody is outside the outdoor chapel praying in circles. And literally all we're doing is we're not doing instrumental music. We're not even singing. We're doing it. We're just playing music just to keep a low music until, until the spirit is basically saying, okay, it's time to get back at its time. There's been times where we've canceled Either we've canceled evening programming because worship service went long because there's an outpouring of the spirit. Other times, we still did the um, we still did the evening activity and we'd be out till two three o'clock in the morning because mm-hmm. service went till midnight and again service started at seven. So we went, you know, so it was a almost a five hour service and and a lot of it was and most of it was just the music and that was probably like a eighth of it and then the seven eighths was just the holy spirit moving now would i call those things revival i would say so i would call that a revival like those times that service went long and things were unplanned and 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 the band's kind of looking at each other like okay what do we do next and the pastor's going i don't know let's just let him go and you know occasionally the pastor will go up and just say hey Take your time. Don't we're not in a rush to get out of here. Take your time. If God's doing something in someone's lives, continue to pray, continue to do that. And the pastor would just say that and sit back down and, you know, we just get out of the way. Like you said, we get out of the way and allow the spirit to do its work. And so I do. So, and I think because that has been modeled to me for so long, I don't really understand the older generation of church people where revival is a planned thing. We're having a revival at this church. So when I see a church in the area saying they're having revival and then next year they're having revival and then the next year they're having revival. I'm like, I mean, it's almost like they're having AKG on them and they're just like shocking them to life every year. Like, and I would seem like, you know, Jesus didn't rise out of the tomb just so he could go back in there and go back to sleep. Like, no, when he rises out of the tomb, he's out of the tomb. He's not in there anymore. So part of me goes, if we're having these revivals and we're having this 
transformation and this change, then why is it that every year or maybe twice a year, I keep seeing that this particular church or this particular denomination or this particular event is constantly having revivals? Yeah. And not only that, but then it seems like a lot of times it's only attracting people who have already been saved, who have already been redeemed by Christ. And I think part of the other goal of the revival is if you are transforming change, then you need to go out and say, hey, my friends who don't know Christ, my family members who don't know Christ, the people who are struggling, who are dealing with addictions, the Narcotics Anonymous, the alcoholic, hey, the people who are struggling with their addictions who may not know Christ, like, hey, you got to come to Asbury. There's this full-blown revival. Maybe, you know, you know, if you're if your heart's open and you're and you want to come, come, maybe, maybe God can do something in your life. Maybe something, maybe you too can experience the power of the Holy Spirit and transformation can change your life like it has done for many others at this at this event you know and i think that's kind of a i I don't know i don't know micah i i think so too that like to to kind of piggyback off of what you said in regards to having a planned time every year once or twice a year like the people that are coming to those things are not the people that you want that you're trying to lead to jesus those are the people that are coming to your church anyway right Mm. in circumstances circumstances like that's something that i just thought of like if you had let's say just this uh sunday morning sunday night monday tuesday wednesday revival series service whatever you want to call it gatherings i would say 95 to 100 percent of those people are the people that come to your church every sunday anyway they're just coming because it's an extra opportunity for them to come to church yeah but if a revival is to lead people to Jesus who have not received Jesus, then if those people that are coming already know Jesus, then doesn't that seem kind of I don't know, counterintuitive, except for the fact that it's, you know, a corporate worship gathering? Yeah, it's yeah. I'm not trying to be like, I'm not trying to be difficult or anything. I'm just asking that question because it seems like folks who come to revivals or like I led worship at a revival I don't know, two or three years ago and that was the case. People that came to that the service that I led for, it was the the same people that would come on Sunday morning. It wasn't like somebody special, mm-hmm. or it wasn't people that like you know, Scott. I'm sure you have family members that that don't believe in Jesus. I I have family members that don't or have not accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Like that's that's who you should be reaching. That's who you should be trying to get to come to church. But yet. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, it does. And it's, yeah. And again, I think, and I and getting to go back, my biggest thing is, you know, if you're having a revival, who is it for? And I mean, even, even like, um, you know, there was a video that came out from our general director in the Church of God talking about this um, annual convention that we have, and it's in Florida. And even he mentioned Asbury Revival and how this is going to be a revival. Um, Before it was a convention, now it's a revival. So, but at the same time, you know, who's this revival for? Because the people who are coming to this revival are 
ordained ministers of the church of God, which I hope, I hope that if you're a minister in the church of God, that you know Jesus and you're saved. Well, well, same goes for <laughs> I mean, like your, well, same goes for your state GAs, yeah, and yeah. things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, but, the the attendance is, I guess, what I'm saying is the attendance is like that of people who are already ordained and are already serving. Exactly. Now, now I can understand like if we're using the term revival as a renewing or a refreshing of the Holy Spirit to empower these ministers to go and really be bold and preach a way that's going to allow the Holy Spirit to pour. So it's almost like the Holy Spirit's going to pour out. I think the image is the Holy Spirit's going to pour out at this at this convention. And then we're going to get so overflowed with the Holy Spirit that when we go back into our churches, we're just going to pour into the people, into our leadership teams, and then we're going to be spirit-filled churches. Okay. I'm I, I I like that. I'm on board with that. But is that something that we're planning, or is that something that's going to be a spontaneous? Like, do I, I mean, it's almost like we're saying, okay, Holy Spirit, you're just going to show up now because we're doing this thing. So you have to show up. You're going to have to show up because this is what we want. This is what we want, want. And it's like, I don't, I don't mind people asking what stuff from the Holy Spirit to do things. Um, because I do believe, you know, it's just like prayer. I do believe that if we ask Christ in prayer, for something and he gives it to us, that's going to be great. He answered our prayer. At the same time, what is the condition of our posture? What's the condition of our hearts that we are even considering ourselves to open ourselves up for the movement of the Holy Spirit? Because when the Holy Spirit, because that's the thing, when I read the, in the Bible, when the Holy Spirit comes, not only does God show up, but things happen that, are things that I don't think anybody expected. I don't think the disciples and anybody who heard the gospel of Jesus Christ on the day of Pentecost thought that these Greek men were going to be speaking fluently in different languages, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't think they thought that they were going to do that. Next thing you know, here's Peter. He's speaking Egyptian. He's never been to Egypt, but he's speaking Egyptian. Like That's something you can't plan. That's something that, you know, and I think a lot of times when the, in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit came, there's always things that happened that the only way that you could even explain it was, well, God showed up. And that's the only thing. You can't say, oh, well, it's because of this or because of that. I mean, really, the only thing you could say is God showed up and his spirit poured out and these unusual but powerful and healing things happen in the name of Jesus because the Holy Spirit showed up. And that's the only explanation I can give you. Yeah, We didn't plan it. We didn't have like a planning meeting. This hasn't been like uh, something that has been in the works for a couple years that we're doing. Like it's, it's there. Yeah. yeah and that's where it kind of gets into the, the weeds about planned worship or planned spontaneity versus actual you know what i mean like spontaneity where the, the spirit does show up and it's I, I used the illustration earlier but like i've led worship 
for over 10 years and you know the there have been services that are outstanding and you know the, the spirit of the lord is sweet however it's not like this huge like people are falling on their faces and coming to the altar and praying but then there's these moments where i i plan a service and don't do anything as planned right mm-hmm. and you know the pastor will get up and they will say, you know, I just feel like the, the spirit of the Lord is in this place. And if you want to come pray, come and pray. Um, I remember specifically uh, a couple of years ago, I was leading at a service and I just felt like the Lord was saying, we need to, we just need to pray for healing. We need to pray for um, healing on our, on our church, on our, on this land, on our country, on our leaders, um, pray for healing of sickness, um, healing of just, just a general topic of being healing. And like, we opened the altars and Scott, like we just worshiped for 45 minutes and people were praying and repenting and asking for healing on their family members and on themselves and on our country and on our leaders and on our pastors and churches. And it, it was just an incredible time of worship. And it, all I felt in that moment was like the Lord was telling me that we needed to pray for healing. Mm. And it was just, it was a sweet time of worship. And I didn't, I didn't like force it, but like we opened the altars and it just became this, this thing. Um, yeah. And I think what you said earlier, you just can't force those things. Yeah. They just have to happen naturally. You can't, you can't stamp, you know, stamp a label on something and make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you agree with that, but like, it, it just seems. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I, I mean, I, at this point, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, and that's the thing. I don't want to take away for those who are planning a revival because if, you know, if the Holy Spirit does show up and great things happen and that there is lasting transformation, then, you know, I'm cool with that. I, I'm I'm for that. Um, But if it doesn't and you have people who in that moment are coming and they're giving their lives to Christ and then next couple days they're going back to old habits and living lives like nothing's changed they're just caught up in that moment then I would have to I would almost have to argue two points a was that an outpouring of the Holy Spirit or was it manufactured spiritualism and b were we so caught up in having this great big revival of the Lord blessing us that we forgot about, Hey, maybe we should disciple the people who did give their lives to Christ. Maybe we should follow up and walk with them and help them grow in their faith. We got caught up on, thank you God for blessing me today that I forgot. Oh yeah. I need to make disciples. So the people that I brought to this revival, they experienced transformation. And yet I'm going around saying like, woo, Jesus came. Woo. Woo. And yet, I have done nothing with the people who I followed up or built relationships or anything with the people who I brought to this revival that had had an actual real genuine transformation. I just didn't follow up with them because I was so caught up in my own, you know, own like self-righteousism, I guess, if that's even a word. Well, I heard, heard, well, one other thing before you wrap up, like I, I heard a pastor say years ago that we just need to get out of the way. Yeah. Meaning we just need to get out of the way of the Holy Spirit and then just watch. Get out of the way and watch. Yep. Go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. But I think, but friends, for those of you who are listening to me and Micah having this uh, 
trying to talk our way through this topic because I think it is something that is genuine and does have some concern to it. So let let us know your thoughts and about this. Like, let us know. Like, do you? I mean, are you experiencing it within your own circles, within your own denomination? People all of a sudden are calling things that used to be retreats and conventions. They're starting to call them revivals now because of the Asbury revival. Um, what are your thoughts on revival? Do you think that, yeah, you know, even if you plan something, plan a revival out, that's still okay, you know? Or are you kind of where we're at? Like, you know, we do have some concerns about that. We want to know how you think about it. We want to know how you feel about this. Uh, leave a message in the comments or you can email us um, at our website, thescottstedman.com. You can just click on the email us and we will uh, read your emails and we will address them on the air in a future episode. So friends, thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and we will talk to you later. Mm-hmm.